0: Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA with your host, Randy Crabtree. We're
1: committed to creating a thriving community of accounting professionals who are physically and mentally healthy, fulfilled, and energized by their work. Our ultimate goal is to elevate the reputation of the accounting profession and vastly improve the lives of those in it. The Unique CPA is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today,
0: our guest is Greg Kite. Many of you probably know Greg or heard of Greg before, but Greg is a CPA, which I think is important to point out. In addition, he's a cartoonist, an MC, a CPE presenter, a stand-up comedian, probably the second uh, stand-up comedian we've had on the show. Uh, He's co-host of the current podcast called Oh My Fraud. He's been the host or co-host of other podcasts, which we'll get into as well. Uh, I'm going to say this as well, whether he wants me to or not, but he has in the past been named one of the top, a couple times, I think, Top 100 Most Influential People in Accounting by Accounting Today,
1: which I think is awesome. Uh, Greg, welcome to the Unique CPA. I'm excited to be here and just to give some context to that uh, Top 100 reference. It's true, but it was, I think, over a decade ago now that I was included in that list. It's just because it wasn't that I was influential, it was that I was interesting. So... <laughs> Hey, it's got influential. It doesn't matter. Interesting is influential. I'll I'll
0: take it. I mean, I'm not, I I didn't refuse the award. (laughs) Nice. And and I think it's like, President, once you're top 100, you're always top 100. It's, you know, that's what
1: you're called. You know what? It's funny. I was just talking about this with somebody else where... I will falsely inflate people's expectations of me in any way that I can by saying that I was, I was twice included in Accounting Today's top 100 list. Not going to mention that that was in 2012 and 2013. I also, you said, I, as you mentioned, I was a stand-up comedian. I was the opening act for Weird Al Yankovic. Again, not going to tell people that was a one-off show at the state fair at the Utah State Fair, uh, <laughs> and that that also was that was nine years ago. So, hey,
0: it's in my lifetime. That was like yesterday. So, breath so breath. Breath, that's that, that's right. I, I would count that anything you got. I mean, it's an award. It's a an event. You've yep. done it. Yep. You're still it.
1: That's true. It's true. So, I'll like I said, I'll take it.
0: Well, I gave you a quick intro. And I want to go into some of these things from the past that I know you've done, but you want to give us a little uh, more background than I gave? Because your current job is not in public accounting, but you are an accountant.
1: And and so why
0: don't you give us an overall background of who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, cool. I'll give you the kind of the broad look back. I, I, in a former life, I was actually a junior high math teacher for 10 years uh, when I was in college. So I I went to school at the, started college at the University of Washington out in Seattle. And the big choice was, do I study math, which I was great at, or do I study accounting, which I had actually been do, I'd been the bookkeeper. My mom owned a pharmacy for about 10 years in the, in the Seattle area and even as a high schooler i was doing just her bookkeeping wow. for her drugstore and i loved it i really enjoyed just the work of bookkeeping this was back in the 80s so i was using the 13 column analysis pad and i was adding them up horizontally and vertically and making sure everything ties out then and just the just the sheer satisfaction of a pencil paper calculation that was the size of two textbooks that it all tied out. You just go nailed it and yeah. you just feel so good about that. Um, so yeah. So in, in college it was like, do I do math? Do I do accounting? I chose to go the math teacher route and I very quickly learned that I made a, a horrible mistake and a bad life choice <laughs> because <laughs> I did not. Yeah. Cause it's, you can pick a job that has high pay but low satisfaction, and that might be okay. You can pick a job with low pay and high satisfaction, and you might be able to to live with that. I chose a profession with low pay and low satisfaction, <laughs> and so I was like, I got to do something else. So it was funny because for a long time I was like, I the ship has sailed for uh, degrees and, and advanced learning, but I, I I was unhappy enough in my career that I did go back and I started just doing... You know, night school extension classes, the online courses that were available back in the mid-2000s. Got my accounting degree, got my MBA, got my license as a CPA and started working as an accountant. In I got licensed in 2011. I started working as an accountant in 2008. I did, did one year at a public accounting firm, okay. or as I like to say, uh, 2,003 hours at a public <laughs> accounting firm. And I was hired away by one of the clients, and so I've been working as a controller uh, for a group of medical office buildings. That that's been my day job for got for fourteen years now. Fourteen it or years, now. Holy yeah. Holy cow, yep. Was that two thousand three billable hours or total hours? The, no, that, that was total hours. And okay, here's the crazy story: is that like I said, I was with that firm. I got hired away by a client. Uh, when I was at that client, we decided to switch accounting firms before i got my license and they were like maybe don't like even like co-workers were getting do you really want because it was it was my decision and i was yeah. like yeah we, we need to switch accounting firms they're like do you want to do that before they sign off on your hours and i was like yeah they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna be weird about it they were so weird about it <laughs> and they? they wanted to they wanted to be like oh you only have this many billable hours and i was like come on that's not that's not how this is written so I don't
0: remember the rules. is it two thousand hours you have to work to you know satisfy, you know, you pass the exam, now you got to work for a year and two thousand was the number?
1: Yeah, so the way that it's written is, is is one year working under the direct supervision of a CPA and one year is defined as two thousand hours. Okay. And, and again, then you go, there's nobody who's a first-year accountant who's getting 2,000 billable hours in their, in a <laughs> no. year. There's almost zero accountants, period, who get 2,000 billable hours in a year. So what if you, man, I'm 60, I'll be 61
0: by the time this airs. So I have, I don't remember anything. I remember sitting for the exam. I remember the, the room I was in. I remember that it seemed to go on forever and there was thousands of people. Well, there might have been 10. It seemed like there was thousands <laughs> of people yeah, yeah. and it probably was. But I don't remember. I mean, I just I was listening to one of your podcasts recently, which we'll get into. Uh, oh my fraud! But I was listening to one of these, and then you were talking about the ethics exam. Oh, and you do have another at least uh, short term podcast called Drunk
1: Ethics. I think oh, was that? Yeah. A... Yes, short term, and it might get pulled. We're actually <laughs> under literally we're under scrutiny by NASBA. That really, it might, yeah, it might <laughs> like something about. Like the content's great, but they're like, but this brings disgrace on the profession or something. That's like their ar- <laughs> their argument. So so yeah, if you wanna get your if you wanna get your ethics if you wanna get the funnest ethics uh, CPE you've ever gotten, you gotta get your drunk ethics now while it's available.
0: Well, I did listen to some of that as well. And it was very funny. You could tell that there was some drinking about. Let's yeah. set the stage. As long as we're going here yeah. and then we can go back. Let's set the stage of what
1: this drunk ethics is. Let's talk about that. Uh, well, again, I'll give you kind of the longer story. So I've been doing webinars and CPE uh, training for a, a decade now. Do you know who Dan, the author Dan Ariely is? Does that ring no, a bell but to I you? heard you. But I heard you mention them when I was listening to the podcast. But okay. no, I don't. Okay, so he's a behavioral economist. He wrote a, a book called "Predictably Irrational." Fantastic. One, arguably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, business book of all times. Uh, but he's a behavioral economist. He, he wrote two chapters in Predictably Irrational were about ethics. And then he expanded on that and wrote an entire book that was all about ethical behavior and how it's counterintuitive and how if you look at traditional uh, e- economics, that it doesn't line up with, you know, maximizing personal benefit and stuff like that. Very, very interesting. And I, I love him. I love his work. I reference it nonstop throughout my ethics Presentation and for one presentation, I had, I was me and two co-hosts and I decided, hey, every time one of us says Dan Ariely's name, we have to take a shot, and so we did, <laughs> and it got sloppy. It, it wasn't bad. It got a little. It was just I had to hold the reins really tight by the end of the the <laughs> podcast to keep make sure we were delivering the content, and that gave me the idea that that would be such a fun idea for a, a an actual presentation and Blake uh Oliver over at Earmark was the only guy who's ever shown any interest or support <laughs> of that idea. And so me and a me and a buddy, he's a stand-up comedy buddy of mine. Uh we've worked together doing stand-up for a long time, done a lot of stuff together. He's also he has an MBA and he's in marketing and so he's my co-host and we do we do seven shots in <laughs> in fifty minutes and in, really in forty nine minutes we take one shot every seven minutes while we're discussing the intricacies of professional ethics and it starts out just super normal. And by the end, it's the same thing. He doesn't have a dog in the fight. He's just there to have fun. I'm like, yeah. going, we must deliver content. So the <laughs> dynamic is he's having a party and I'm like white knuckling the, you know, the, the learning objectives going, we must finish <laughs> talking about this. So it's a, it's fun, but we got drunk doing it. And after we recorded all of those, I was worried that they were all garbage and unlistenable. And I was pleasantly surprised that they're actually a, a lot of fun. And and that even when we're both bombed, we're still like we're still saying some pretty, we're saying some pretty profound things. I was pretty yeah. I was pretty happy with it.
0: Well, uh and, and we are a clean rated show, so some of the things <laughs> we will we can always bleep out if we need to, but um, uh, your co-host on the one, I think it was episode three, I was listening to. Uh, by the end, he was using uh,
1: the P and CPA for <laughs> a different oh, term. Yeah, yeah, I, which I, I think I, we could say on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned again. So I've re-listened to all of them, but there's a lot that doesn't stick in my brain. I remember him doing that. But I can't remember what he changed it to. And w- right. let's leave that as a mystery. We will. If you need to find out, that's episode three of Drunk Ethics. Go find it. And out I think it market. was three. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was
0: three. So, yeah. all right. So uh, I have to go back before they're pulled off the shelf. I'm going <laughs> to have to go and listen to all of them and get my uh, my ethics. Uh, I think I have until
1: September of 24 before there my next
0: uh, due date. So I there have time.
1: Go. Yeah. And we're fighting them on it. We're hoping that we can talk them through it. And help them to embrace the concept. So is it just the drinking part that they, they have a problem with? Yeah. I Well, we got there was somebody who just, I think, was offended by the concept it, from all that we can tell. Because someone took the time and effort to email every single state board of accountancy throughout the United States. Really? To, to Yeah. To like, I guess. You know, tattle on it. I, I don't know. Just to, or because they were so concerned about it as a like a flawed model, and so his effort, his or her efforts, brought it to the attention of the of NASBA of the National Association, and almost just out of protocol, they had the launch an investigation they have into to follow have yeah. To, all right. yeah all right all so, right so it may not get pulled i'm gonna we're hoping not
0: i i hope so we are also on earmark so we don't want anything bad to happen to any of the shows on yeah. earmark so right. yeah we are going to make sure that that stays i'm going to start a petition we're going to do Thank that you. right now thanks nice I just don't have all the emails for all the state societies, so someone else will have to <laughs> there, do that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so let's go back a little bit. Okay. And we fast forwarded. Let's go back. Because right. what I was going to say when we're talking ethics, I honestly don't remember after passing the exam that I had to take a separate ethics exam. And you guys were talking about this on, uh, oh, my fraud, you were talking about this. And do you know did that come in later, or do I just not remember? Back in nineteen eighty eight, that I had to take an exam after I passed our
1: ethics exam. They have had that for a significant amount of time. Like I said, I got licensed in two thousand eleven, and part of my licensure was I had to pass a state like rules and laws test specific to Utah. Okay, and then I also had to pass the the AICPA has an ethics exam that covers it. And and even now, if I'm remembering right, the AICPA one, when I took it, you had to get at least 90%, but it was open book. So it was not a difficult hurdle to overcome. But that said, there's been so many changes when it's come to ethical training requirements in the profession, even in the last 10 years. In the state of Utah, when I first became a, a CPA, we had no requirement for any ethics CPE. It was just like, it's like wide open here. Get 40 hours in whatever you feel, (laughs) 40 hours a year, 80 every two years in whatever you feel like. And then it was just maybe five years ago that they implemented a four-hour ethics requirement for that. So we're seeing that. But also, you know, if you're talking the 80s, you're talking pre- Sarbanes-Oxley, pre-Enron, oh, all right. that stuff when right. it, you know when things really went not not that there weren't scandals before that, but we know that was a real inflection point in terms of public perception of the accounting profession where there was so there was a huge effort made to go no no no, we're not all like that and we're doing everything we can to make sure that people are doing things right. So I would I would not be surprised if that was a if that was a post Sarbox post Enron change to make that test a requirement for licensure
0: yeah i think if i remember none of that that stuff happened until you got involved in the industry so yeah. back in my day yeah. we didn't have anything go wrong nobody was doing any fraud right. there was no exactly. there was no bad audits there was none of that yeah. they, that's all They were uh, like, that's all a post they were <laughs> like this
1: greg kite guy is getting ready to get licensed and so we need to tighten we need to tighten stuff up now yeah He's out doing comedy. Yeah, he's drinking. He's got all he's got kinds of things going on. bad feelings about this guy. So <laughs> there's moral turpitude that's going to happen somewhere with this fella. Well, so I'm glad they put that in place for you. That uh, was yeah, very yeah, nice. You but. know, got to get the guardrails up. So it's one one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. <laughs>
0: So, (laughs) all right. Well, so you're making me laugh, which is nice. That's part of the, I didn't tell you that ahead of time, we have two goals of the show. We educate on something that the accounting profession would find interesting. Okay. I think we've already done a little of that
1: and we laugh. Those
0: are the two requirements.
1: Right on. Okay. Well, this has been a great episode of the unique (laughs) CBA.
0: Tune in next week.
1: (laughs) <laughs> where we will
0: drink we and think <laughs> oh no that's already kenji oh, that's, and matthew yeah, from acuity Kenji's. got that Yeah, oh, darn it Shoot. we are starting and 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 you know uh, i should give credit to to matthew may and, and kenji Cormato, but we are going to be recording this friday and we didn't pick friday i know they have fridays but we're going to be recording the unique cpa happy hour the first version of the unique cpa happy hour is going to be recorded this friday so awesome that's I'm very, very excited, excited about that. I it's will... going to be ep- episode one hundred. We were recording, which this episode will be released after that one, so it's going to get a little confusing to people,
1: right? Um, but but, but, but uh, the case no, is... no, 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 because you know, in in podcast land, like there is no chronology. You just you <laughs> hop around and you find the episodes that you like. So. Kind of like this interview, I'm hopping all over
0: yeah. <laughs> anyway. So no chronology this is how it works. All right, so let's get back to chronology for a second. Okay, good segue. Thank you. And let's talk about, before we segwayed into three different, four different directions, yeah. uh, we were talking about your history. And the one thing I wanted to talk about is that you you are, well, I had Jason Blummer on the podcast last week. Again, chronology-wise, who knows when that's coming out compared right. to this one. Yeah, But Jason, who runs his own CPA firm, Blummer CPAs, and Thrival, which is a community of uh, accountants that uh, is a really cool community, conferences and that. And, and I think you were part of this origination, the Thrivecast podcast, which
1: started, what, 10 plus years ago? Yeah, it's, it will be, it, they're pushing 11 years now with the Thrivecast. 2011 was a big year for me. So like I said, I got licensed that year. I met Ron Baker in real life in the beginning of 2011. Wow. At a sympo, one of the uh, Verisage symposiums. I got invited to that. I got, in the again, all of this just because I'm interesting, not because I. They're like, this guy seems like he's fun at a party. Let's invite him to this thing. So, yep. I, and I met Jason Blummer at that at that event that Ron Baker uh, put together in 2011. And then there was this weird thing where, because podcasting was becoming a thing, it actually even in 2011, it kind of felt like. I felt like it was, we were kind of past the hump. Like it was, really? like we'd, we'd missed the, miss the front wave of this whole thing. But I was like, oh, but you know, maybe I could start like a, a, a some kind of business podcast. And I, I had actually just messaged a friend of mine that I was a, a comedian friend of mine who was also very interested in business and well-read and things like that. And I I sent him a message saying, hey, what what would you think if you and I started a podcast? The very next day, Jason Blummer calls me and says, hey, what would you think about starting a podcast with me? And fortunately, I never even heard back from that friend. (laughs) Uh, So because I told Jason... In, in your entire life? Oh, no. I've, heard, I've talked to him since then, but <laughs> okay. I didn't even bring up the message when I saw yeah. it. I was just like, okay, I'll take that as a no. And I hope it's a no because I already <laughs> said yes to somebody else. So, um, yeah, so we we started the podcast in the Cast is what it's called in July of 2011. And I was uh, his faithful sidekick for his podcast for, for 10 years, for 120 wow. episodes. and after 10 years of doing it it was like we've done it we because at first we had no idea what we were doing we were just like it was very much a fake it till you make it kind of oh, i know what that is thing. like but <laughs> but after you know after i don't know 6 7 years we had it felt like we'd figured it out and we had this podcast and we knew how to do it. And, and it was sort of like, okay, we, for me, I was like, okay, I've done this thing. I've kind of, you know, cracked the code I've done. It. And now it's like, I feel like there's other stuff that I should be doing. So I gave Jason, uh, 18 months notice that I was going <laughs> to be, cause kind of like what you said, I was like, do this podcast for 10 years right. and I'll feel great. So that was kind of idea. It's like, Hey, after we do, our hundred twentieth episode. I think I I need to go find other stuff to do so that. And what was weird is that as soon as I told him that, then all of a sudden that like breathed new life. The fact that it was now like a scarcity thing with yeah. recording because I love Jason. We're we're great friends. We're yeah. actually going to be doing a thing together uh, next month or, or in, a, in like a month and a half uh, for Bill dot com. And, oh, wow. and, and, and we haven't worked together since last summer and we're just excited to be able to do the Jason and Greg show again for, for a thing. But yeah, so I had, so I had a blast and I was super sad when it was over. Um, but also I'm prone to overextending myself and overcommitting committing myself. So, uh, you know, having one less thing on the plate was a good, good choice. Yeah, that's not, sometimes I think I have that problem too. I have a hard
0: time saying no to things. Yeah. Yeah. whatever it is one I'm just having the time of my life I mean I yeah I get to sit here and talk to you and this is my job I mean right, right. <laughs> how I hear how can that? this be bad it's
1: like this is ridiculous that this is yeah. this is what we can do
0: right so so you are the grandfather of and I called Jason the same thing he said thought I was calling them old no it's just that you were doing podcasts probably in the accounting profession as long or longer than anybody yeah um kind of. so weird. You would think you'd be much better at it by now, but that's... (laughs) No, I'm still just so rough
1: around the edges.
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're very good. (laughs) I gave you a compliment beforehand. You did. Your sound is about as good as I've had on the podcast so far. So you're a professional. Nice. So, I mean, I really want to get to oh my fraud, because this is such an interesting podcast, but I also, your your history just is so intriguing to me, and so one thing I just want to talk about, are, and you can expand on this however you want, but you were part of Going
1: Concern for a while, so why don't you give us a little more background on that? Uh, so to approach that, because yeah, I, I wrote uh, for Going Concern for a number of years, Great great website still around, still being snarky and yep. as a counterculture as ever. But what what I did, and this, this is a, something that Jason and I just hammered on f- for the entire 10 years that I was working with him, is how accounting firms, it, one of the basics that you need to do if you really want to take your firm to the next level is you have to identify a niche. And for a lot of firms, it's, it's basically like an industry niche. I specialize in this industry or this small set of industries, but with Trimerit, with your company... You also found a niche, but it wasn't so much with an industry. It was more like with an offering yep. that you have because with the, the credits, the business credits. Yep. You got it. Yeah. So finding a niche, it's super powerful because if you find a the right niche for you, like people fi- will come to you and be like, please, I need your services. Please do this with me. And that's And for me, my niche in accounting, because again, not in public accounting, I spent Barely any time in that, but I'm still a a member of the profession. And my personal niche as a personal brand was I was CPA plus comedian. And that's where that came together. That's why I got invited to Ron Baker's Verisage Symposium. That's why Jason Blummer invited me to be on his podcast. I had been a licensed CPA for all of six months when he <laughs> invited me to be on his podcast uh that, that was supposed to educate the accounting profession. I'm like, I'm the dumbest one in the accounting profession still. I don't know anything to talk about. But being able to bring that, so that's my niche. And so with that, I was also blogging for Jason. That was one of the, it was the podcast, it was blogging. I was going to his conferences and I was emceeing those as well. So it was kind of a basket of services that he had, uh, he was getting from me. But then those blogs caught the attention of the folks over at uh, Going Concern. And that's when I met Caleb Newquist. That's when I started blogging for them. And I blogged for them for a bunch of years, uh, and that's when the cartooning actually came wow. in at one point. I, it was so weird. I read a business book, and the business book was by a guy who who was also in marketing. And he was like, "You got to exercise different sides of your brain. And because of that, I draw. And that's what I do to exercise a completely different side of my brain. And I go, I used to I was kind of an artist, like back in high school. I enjoy it. I enjoy doing. I was like, i' I dabbled just a teeny bit in cartooning. A long time, like barely any, but I was like, I think I could crank out some cartoons. So I just did. I just made some. It felt like, you know how uh, there's been this big resurgent, like adult coloring books. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just because it feels good to color. And that's, uh, that's sort of what I was getting from doing these cartoons. It's like, it's just kind of fun to do this. And and I did feel like I was doing what that guy said and exercising this different creative side of my my brain. And after I made a couple, I was like, I wonder if anybody, like, buy these. So I called Going Concern. I, I got a hold of Caleb. And I was like, hey, I'm doing these cartoons. Do you want to run these? And he was like, absolutely not. I do not. <laughs> do that. I was like, okay, fair. And then I, and then I went to Dan Hood at Accounting Today and I I sent him a couple. I said, Hey, what would you think about buying these from me and running them on Accounting Today? And he was like, he was like, these are not what we want to expose our audience to at all. And I was like, okay. And then, uh, shortly after that, Caleb contacted me. He was like, Hey, on second thought, we'll do it, which is also again, I mean, I feel like my life is this stupid example <laughs> of how a niche can like just make things work for you. Oh yeah. Because I've got I've got friends who have been doing cartooning and doing just they're so much better artists, they're so much better at making funny stuff out of it. But they would love to be able to just draw something and have somebody ready to snatch it up and send them a you know a, a check for it. Like, I felt guilty because of how poor my drawing skills were, <laughs> and that I was actually selling these things to be, but it's because those other friends that i had there was no like focus to what they were doing it was just funny cartoons that were drawn well and you can find funny cartoons that are drawn well everywhere but being able to go no these are specific to this one industry yep. and then all of a sudden you've got something that that people can't find anywhere and that scarcity and sort of that pent up demand that you didn't even know was there all of a sudden becomes a thing so yeah like i said kind of stumbled my way into the the right place yeah
0: and but you saw there's an opportunity you saw there was a you you know your passion you know what you like you looked at that and how do i make this something that that i can enjoy doing and as part of my profession yeah the same thing happened with me with trimerit kind of stumbled into specialty tax but once i got there i was like i love this yeah and then after I realized I don't even have to work and I can just talk, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, I love this even more now. Not too shabby. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so so basically that's what I do. I do a podcast. I do webinars. I host a conference. You and I have talked about that. I yep. write articles for Accounting Today and all these yep. other. And, and so that never would have happened if I didn't develop the niche expertise. And Absolutely. so I think that's a huge topic. We talk on this podcast a lot. People may get sick of it. I don't care. I think it's important.
1: It, but, it's a, it's step one of doing what you do. Because recently, do, how often do you listen to cloud accounting podcasts? Are you, a, are I'm, you I'm a, a regular? I'm pretty regular now.
0: I actually, when it goes live Friday, I usually get on when they're doing it live on Fridays oh, nice. now. Yep.
1: Nice. I just listened to one not too long ago and they were talking about how CAS, C-A-S, that that means like 15 different, oh, different yeah. things. Everybody's but, got their own every, definition. Yeah, w- w- which is weird because it was it was eye-opening to me because I thought it was client advisory services <laughs> is, is how I – and everybody's trying to make a pivot if they're not already in CAS to move to CAS. But like I said, I thought it, they were just talking about advisory. Yep. But you can't be an effective advisor unless you pick an industry to, to specialize in so that you actually have something – like something valuable to give to someone who says, hey, to even be able to pitch what you could do to somebody besides a tax return and a compilation. Yep. So yeah, it's step one, but it's also a step that a lot of people refuse to take.
0: Well, and it's part of it is if you're starting a firm and you're just hungry, you're going to take any client. Yeah. And you have to have some kind of, I don't know if the right word is self-control to say no to some clients, because if you just be patient, patience may be the word, if you just be patient and you just concentrate on fast food restaurants or whatever your niche wants to be, or a service offering like, you know, salt, you want to be a salt expert or, or whatever it is, yeah. if you're just yeah. patient, you are going to have those come to you and you're going to be able to share your knowledge. Sharing your knowledge, I think, is extremely important. You're going to be able to share your knowledge. You're going to show that you have knowledge in this area, that you are an expert. And then it's just going to start to grow. And having that narrow focus, I think, is so important because it's, one, you're going to probably love what you're doing a lot more because you're concentrating on something you enjoy. Absolutely. And and it's going to show through. All right. We can, we could I could talk niche all day. This is (laughs) your podcast. You're supposed to be the the expert we're
1: talking about here. So... (laughs) Well, well yeah but but hold on before we get too far from that I do want to say that yeah what I think it's smart it's not only necessary but it's smart so let's say you're you decided hey I want to start my own practice and then yeah you anybody who wants I mean you got you got kids to feed yep you got uh, you know you got bills to pay so yeah take everybody that you that, that'll let you do their work at first right but the whole idea of that is to one, Just become awesome as an accountant, so that just across the board, you're just really good because you can't do anything if you just suck at what. So get great at get great at just general being an accountant. But then during that time, see what you got to see what's coming to you, and you got to see what you like doing. And then at that point, you got to start. You do have to have the discipline to start going. Okay, I might even have to actively start firing some clients or or relocating to other firms some clients that don't fit fit my niche. But it is a discipline and it does come with risk. And as accountants, humans are risk averse. Accountants, we're like professionally risk averse. So so it is a risk, but it, it I'll tell you, its it seems like it's a guaranteed payoff because yeah, like you said, you're going to enjoy what you're doing more and you're going to be able to get paid more for what you're doing. So yep. it's-, uh, it's Pay more for sure. Got to do it.
0: Yep. If you can work with less clients, make more per client, have a higher profit margin, have more free time, avoid burnout, all these things.
1: I think niche expands to all those. Yeah. And even like, I feel like so much of the enjoyment of what you're doing when you find a niche comes from the fact that you know that you are, like your competence is through the roof because you go- I know this industry backwards and forwards. I know the tech stack you need. I know the problems you have. I know how to fix the problems you have, and then you feel great because you're just like you're like uh, you're Santa Claus <laughs> for oh, yeah. these guys. Going here's this and here's this. I got you. I got you. You're done. You're taken care of. T- send your friends to me. Yep. And that's that's your job. It's so good. Oh no, I agree.
0: So you and I will have to do another podcast where we just talk about niche, <laughs> um, okay. because I could keep going. But let's yeah. let's pivot based on one thing you kind of said before: being risk averse when are building our practice or just as a, a accountants in general. I think that may tie into oh my fraud because there is risk out there, and there are things mm-hmm. people doing things that are not even they're beyond risky; they're just illegal. Um, yeah. let's talk, you started this podcast, Oh My Fraud, how did that come about? And then let's expand on what type of topics you're talking about there.
1: So, Oh My Fraud was an example of my life backfiring on me <laughs> because I had just made a very difficult uh, decision that beca- to, to leave the Thrivecast with Jason. You're right. And like I said, eighteen. I gave him 18 months notice. After I did that, I go, oh, this is really super fun. And I kind of am second guessing whether I should have given up, but I did it. And I was very much going, okay, podcasting check did that. What's next. And immediately Caleb calls me and says, Hey man, what would you think if you and I did a fraud podcast? And I was like, no, <laughs> I absolutely not. I don't want to do a fraud, podcast. I just got done doing a podcast. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find other stuff to do now. Cause I, yeah, I, I wanted new challenges and I was, and I was like, you know, I would maybe be interested in doing it if if it was something where we felt like we could change the world doing it but but I you know if it's just a doing a podcast for doing a podcast no and throwing in the change in the world thing that was my way of like trying to gently say no. no was, right. That was my hell no, but <laughs> as gently as, as possible. And so he, so Caleb left me alone for like four months, and then he calls me back up and he goes, he goes, hey Greg, I, I figured out how we can change the world with that fraud, fraud podcast. And the and the missing the missing component was actually what what Blake Oliver and Earmark bring to the table, where you can actually get continuing education. Yep. So I go, oh okay, so we can create amazing content, just on a content perspective, we can do the research. Caleb, he won't say it out loud. He's a journalist though. That guy, yeah. he's a journalist in his bones. Yep. And he wants, like, there's times where I'll I'll put together the entire outline for our podcast and he'll send it back to me going, I don't like your footnotes. We need a broad, like he wants, he wants more references. It's like, come on, we can't. So that's, that's where he's coming from. But being able to do excellent content and Caleb and I have done a, a million projects over the years together, and he's snarky and I'm me. And so <laughs> together we have this, this, this fun dynamic that both of us really enjoy. And we're, so we're able to put together a very entertaining, very solid content podcast that people can listen to and get continuing education for. And then I go, okay, this really has the opportunity of becoming a big damn deal. And so, yeah, we started a little over a year ago. It was the beginning of 2022 that Oh My Fraud launched. So we're well into our second year now and our numbers are looking great with it. And we're excited to do this for the foreseeable future. And is that
0: every other week or how often is that? Yeah, every other week. Every other two weeks. Yep, and I honestly uh, wanted to talk a lot about the podcast before we started, and and we've uh, had too much fun on all these other topics, but. Why don't we go through? Do you have a favorite episode of Oh My Fraud, or
1: do you love them all like your kids? <laughs> uh, I, I do. They're, I, they're all fun. We've had a blast on every single one. Some of the more interesting cases that I feel like we've tackled. One was, uh, it, it was actually an earlier episode that I did. It was probably within the first, I think, four months of of when we started. It was a company called Mutual Benefits Company, and it was a wild case because if you just pare it down to its core, it was a Ponzi scheme is what it was, but it was interesting for so many reasons. What mutual benefits did is they, they purchased people's life insurance policies. So let's say you had a terminal disease. You knew you were going to die. And you were just like, I just need money to get me through the last little bit that i got here then my company i could purchase your life insurance which basically you i'd give you a bunch of money for you to make me the beneficiary of your policy. Right, right. A- and obviously what, it would be a fraction of what the payout was because I got to make a profit on this, but it's supposed to be mutually beneficial, hence the name Mutual <laughs> Benefit Corporation, where you get money to live. And, and not only that, these guys, their specialty, because this was in the 80s, so they were really leaning into uh, to people who were diagnosed with AIDS because back in the 80s, uh-huh. you got AIDS. that was a That was a that death was sentence. So that's what it seemed like. And they were even really leaning into we're helping people who are suffering from this scourge that's hit the planet. And so there was there was really this altruistic side of stuff. But what they found is that there was treatments that were keeping people who had AIDS alive for their full, complete lifetime. And their gamble went completely wrong because the, their whole business model was based on the idea that these people were not going to live for very much longer and they were living for a long time. Yep. And so what so basically what they started doing is they started get they, they would find investors going, "Hey, give me your money and I'll buy a life insurance policy and you'll get this thing," which was their actual business model for a long time. And then it switched over to, "Oh, we're give me your money. I have somebody else I got to pay gotta out. Pay. Give <laughs> me your money." And so 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 it was so fascinating because A lot of times we think of uh, Ponzi schemes as like they were Ponzi schemes from the moment it was thought up. Right. But it's interesting seeing a legitimate, and I'll put that in quotes, a legitimate business because it it also feels so creepy that these people's whole business was betting on people dying. So it's like, um, yeah, so there were so many facets of that that I thought was so interesting that that's for sure one of my favorite cases, arguably my favorite case that we looked into.
0: So I thought you were going to say that they got so hard up for money, they just started killing people that they had these policies on. <laughs> they, started, and that's... they
1: started hiring assassins that would <laughs> exactly. go out and murder the people. Yeah, that would have gotten really dark. So, but yeah, fortunately, fortunately, their company imploded before they got that desperate. All right. So, so no murder involved. Yeah, no, not in that one. We've, we've, had, a, we've had a couple cases that, uh, that there's been murder as well. But it's, uh, yeah, fortunately, it's few and far between.
0: You should talk to—I don't know if you know Don Brolin, but uh, uh, Don has a uh, an IRS case that there's a murder involved in that uh, oh. might be interesting to talk about. I'm not sure nice. if it involves fraud or not, but uh, uh, that might be an interesting discussion to have with yeah. her. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. I always love a tip. That's that's been one of the fun side benefits of the of doing the podcast. We get regular emails from listeners going, "Hey, oh. did you hear about this one?" and probably more often than not it's like no that was not on my radar at all and then we start looking into them. some of them are real real good real juicy oh i bet and going back to niche you're still
0: niching because you're niching on uh, this podcast on fraud events that have occurred in the profession exactly (laughs) all right well one i have a call in three minutes so we're gonna have to wrap up pretty good (laughs) right quickly here um but it is about time anyways. Before we do wrap up, one question, and this is based on, and I know I've talked to you about this before, but you know, John Garrett, and I always give John Garrett credit for this, even though I was doing this before I met John Garrett, uh-huh. is I always ask everybody what their their outside of work passions are. What do you enjoy doing when you're not podcasting or, or working for the medical uh, buildings that you deal with?
1: Yeah, it's a stand-up comedy. That's what I love, just doing stand-up. I've got my own show out here in Utah that also has been getting some, some traction called Comedy Church. So, yeah, stand-up comedy as much as I can do it. I love it. It feeds my soul in a it, – it's so funny. I need spreadsheets, and I need <laughs> comedy. Wow. They're, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, but without either of them, I'm going to go crazy. Well, you've got both sides of that brain working then that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. You're, you're
0: like a Renaissance man.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of why I'm bald too. Both sides of the brain being stimulated <laughs> it's just, and it's just, just like, all the smoke coming out top no, of your head. No time for hair growth.
0: <laughs> all right. And then if anybody would like to get a hold of you at LinkedIn,
1: where, where would they look? Uh, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So just I, I'm Greg Kite, CPA. Kite is spelled with a Y instead of an I, and there's really barely any of us out there with that name. So, uh, yeah, Google Greg Kite. You can really find all of my all of my stuff as long as you spell that last name right. There's a there's another Greg Kite that spells his with an I, and he was a famous basketball player oh, yeah. played for the Celtics yep. he actually played for BYU which is I'm in Utah so if I talk to people on the phone they're like oh, wait a second are you the and I'm like no, no, you're not no. That great he's, he's a foot taller but I think we weigh the same yeah
0: he was I mean he was seven four or something I think he was pretty he was, tall whatever he was he
1: was he, he was humongous yep
0: alright well Greg thank you so much for being on the show I really appreciate it had a great time yeah, uh, me too. I honestly would, uh, would love to do it again we'll, we'll schedule one down the road if you're up for it again
1: Perfect. Sounds great. It was a a blast. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you for joining us today on The Unique CPA. You can find the show notes for today's episode
1: and learn more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting app. And join us next time for more expertise and insights on The Unique CPA. Professional